Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland in a very, very long baseball game. 15 innings. It's the Cleveland Guardians won. The Tampa Bay Rays nothing. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And congratulations to the Cleveland Guardians, the 2022 AL Wild Card Series champ champions. I I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't quite know the verbiage yet with this new Wild Card round. But either way, we knock off Tampa Bay and move on to the ALDS to face the New York Yankees. Come on now, every baseball movie you gotta go through the Yankees if you want to win something. So, uh, yeah, why not? Why not face the Evil Empire? Why not face? Uh, the vaunted New York Yankees with the scrappy Cleveland Guardians, right? So, uh, wow. I mean, what a ridiculously long baseball game. They set records for the longest playoff game, for, for going the longest innings without even scoring a run in a baseball, in a playoff baseball game. Like, they were doing things out there that just had never been seen before. And... You could complain about the offenses. You can complain. I mean, in 15 innings, the Guardians only had five hits. The Tampa Bay Rays only had six. It's not like they were setting the world on fire and just, you know, kept matching each other. So you could complain a little bit about the offenses, but I think the truth of this series is that, while yes, uh, neither the Rays or the Guardians offense is, you know, the most formidable offenses in baseball. They're both kind of unique. They have to get hot. While that is true, I think the truth of this series is that the Guardians pitching and the Rays pitching is extremely elite. In fact, I think the pitching across the American League in this playoffs, like just wait till Houston and New York get into this thing. Their pitching is also elite. Seattle's pitching is pretty darn good. Even though I know they get into a ridiculous shootout here with uh, with Toronto, right? And they end up beating Toronto uh, 10 to 9, I believe. Hang on, I'm scrolling back to it. I got too far looking ahead. They beat them 10 to 9 by coming back and scoring I mean basically basically 10 un- nine unanswered runs. Toronto was up at one point 8 to 1. And Seattle comes back to win 10 to 9. Okay. So yes, they threw the pitching narrative that was going through most of this playoffs out the window with a 10-9 game. But in this Cleveland versus Rays series, it was pitching. It was just all pitching. They were so darn good. McKenzie with a fantastic start. Glass now on the other side just as unhittable. McKenzie goes six innings pitched. He's up two hits, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts on 98 pitches. He's hard hit three times. Glass now only lasts five innings. We knew he wasn't going to go deep into the game. 
gives up two hits, no earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts on 63 pitches. He's hard hit three times. That's efficient. Five innings and 63 pitches. That's a f- efficient baseball right there. Imagine a, a, like a fully healthy Tyler Glass now. Could have gone eight innings maybe. Maybe even gone a complete game in this one. So uh, both pitchers just absolutely locked in. And then the bullpens just, I mean, what have you seen this many guys come in out of the bullpen and just throw up zero after zero after zero? Garinchek gets a seventh. Stefan gets the eighth. Class A gets the ninth. Boom. They give up nothing. They shut them down. Sandlin comes in to get the tenth. He leaves with an arm strain. Maybe. I don't know. It was a little awkward with Sandlin. He, he, you know, the trainers come out and check him out. He has to leave. Eli Morgan comes in, finishes that inning for him, and then pitches another inning of his own. De Los Santos gets a clean, uh, gives up one hit. Uh, actually, De Los Santos doesn't have a clean inning. De Los Santos gets into a little bit of trouble. 26 pitches, does give up a hit and a walk. He actually is up against it and is able to get out of it. And then Sam Henches. Sam Henches goes back into his old starter mode and gives you three innings, three extra inning playoff innings. Gives up three hits, but no runs, no walks, six strikeouts in three innings and does it on 35 pitches. That's very efficient for some very stressful innings. I mean, my God. That's just beautiful stuff from Sam Henches. We thought Kirk McCarty would be the long man in the bullpen. We never thought Henches would be able to do that. He, he's been pitching. He's been a relief pitcher. He's been converted basically fully to a relief pitcher. I don't think you'll see Sam Henches back in the starting rotation at any point. And yet, here we go. He goes three innings of relief, extra inning, playoff baseball. All right. Um... <laughs> you can clearly see I'm excited. You can also clearly see that my voice is pretty much shot. I mean, this has been one heck of a weekend. Um, on the other side of things, I mean, yeah, they're aside from Pete Fairbanks, who walks to and looks like he leaves with maybe a blister thing. Um, their bullpen, wow. Uh, Jason Adam will get into his inning, but he was fantastic. Drew Rasmussen, Garrett Clevenger, Sean Armstrong blows him away. I mean, Clevenger and Armstrong were just blowing away hitters in extra innings. Just absolutely seven strikeouts combined in two and two-thirds innings. Brooks Raley comes in. He's dominant. Corey Kluber comes in. Looks very sharp until one pitch. One pitch decides the fate of this game and the fate of these two teams. Their entire season comes down to one cutter from Corey Kluber. All right, so that's enough of me kind of waxing poetic about pitching. Let's get into it. Let's get into the top storylines of the game. And the top storyline of the game is that one pitch. Oscar Gonzalez, the guy who at one point became a minor league free agent. Any team could have put a claim on him in the minor leagues. He comes back to Cleveland, stays with Cleveland after they don't uh, you know, put him on the 40-man roster. If they don't protect him, he decides to stay with Cleveland. There's no Rule 5 draft, so they don't have to expose him to that. 
He stays with us in the minor leagues. He starts the season at AAA. And, I mean, basically since getting called up, does not relinquish the right field spot to the point where he would rather play him. Francona would rather play Oscar Gonzalez out there in right field than Will Brennan and let Gonzalez DH. Instead, Will Brennan DHs. So, Gonzalez has definitely, I mean, had an incredible journey to get to this point. And he comes up in the 15th inning. I mean, just, just what a moment here. Facing Corey Kluber, facing the cor- former Cleveland Guardian, former Cleveland franchise player, who is in his basically his third inning of being out on that mound, right? Came in in relief of Brooks Raley. Uh, in the uh, 13th inning, pitches the 14th inning, comes out there for the 15th inning. Now he said, Gonzalez said, look, they're throwing me breaking balls. I know they're throwing me breaking balls. Basically, he said, one of these guys is going to screw up and I am going to hit their breaking ball a very long way. And that's exactly what happens in this at-bat. He misses with a cutter on the outside edge, right on the black. Ooh, tough call. But he misses with that cutter for ball one. Tries to throw it again. Now remember, this is not a 99-mile-per-hour manual class A cutter. This is a Corey Kluber cutter, which is bad. It's, it's in the mid-80s at this point, right? It was an interesting choice to go to him at this point in the game. So after, especially because speed had been working for the Rays pitching, they struck out a lot of guys on fastballs right down the middle, especially in extra innings. They were getting up at 97, 98, and Cleveland just couldn't catch up to it. So then Kluber comes in, throwing in the mid-80s, and he puts a cutter at the thighs, middle of the plate. And Gonzalez unloads on it, 107.5 miles per hour, 29-degree launch angle, 410 into the bleachers in left field for a walk-off home run. He's doing the jump shot, the step back jump shot celebration, rounding second base. He gets mobbed at home plate. Guys weren't even in the dugout yet. Guys had gone down between innings. Austin Hedges was using the bathroom. Corey Kluber, they they had soup broth. They had they made some warm chicken soup. I'm I don't know, I'm assuming chicken, right? What other soup broth would you have? Should we should we discuss soup broth? No, let's move on. Uh Corey Kluber not Corey Kluber, Shane Bieber was down. They're basically getting warm things to drink to try to warm them up because they were freezing out there in the dugout. I can attest to that. I was outside most of the day yesterday. It was brutally cold in Cleveland for a Cleveland fall day because the wind was whipping off the lake downtown. So it was windy and cold, and yes, the sun was out, but man, I'm sure sitting in that dugout in the shade, they were freezing just as much as I was freezing outside yesterday. I wasn't at that game. I was doing something else, but I was outside all day. And yeah, I understand why they're going down for warm soup broth in between innings. So Bieber wasn't even there. I think Straw said he wasn't down. It was down there too. So, so these guys come. They hear the crack of the bat, and they come tearing out of the clubhouse. And there's Oscar Gonzalez rounding the bases for a walk-off home run. I mean, just an incredible moment. And the crowd stuck around for it. Not only did the crowd stick around for it, but they just they kept getting up for these moments. They kept getting up. They were there to support Sam Henches through three innings. The crowd never wavered through 15 innings. So Gonzalez, I mean, just hunting, just hunting a breaking ball that he can hit. 
And this guy can hit a ball a ton, 107.5 mile per hour exit velocity. He mashed this thing. It didn't just carry on the wind. He mashed this thing out to the bleachers in left field. An incredible moment that will go down in history. I mean, do we even have to talk about the rest of the game? When you think of, you know, Jose Pena's walk-off home run in the 11th inning of, was it the first game of the 95 ALDS, right? Do you even remember what happened in the rest of that game? I'm sure there's a few of you baseball nerds out there that probably do. I bet you the guys on the Selby is Godcast and some of my other podcasting colleagues, I bet they do. I bet they do remember what happened in that game. But the average baseball fan just remembers that Tony Pena, did I say, did I call him something else? Tony Pena hit a walk-off home run in game one of the ALDS against the Boston Red Sox. That's what you remember. Those home runs just have a way of just making everything. That's what's so special about a home run. We talked about this the other day. They just make everything else in that game fade away. And it's one moment, one shining moment. Uh, and Oscar Gonzalez has it now. He had, It will go down in Cleveland baseball history forever. Forever it will be remembered as the wild card series where Gonzalez hits the walk-off home run in the 15th inning. So, and we were there to witness it. We were there to witness it. We heard it. We watched it. Unless you're my friend in Chicago who literally had to run his child to urgent care during the extra innings. Don't worry. Everything's okay. Uh, and was like itching to look at his phone and knew he couldn't because he had to be a responsible father. He's the only one that didn't see it. Uh, of course, he watched the highlight. So we've all seen it. We've all experienced it. And it's what we're going to take away from this game. I mean... It's a beautiful, beautiful baseball moment. It's why we love this game. Moments like this. Uh, so, all right. Let's dive back into this game because there are things that lead us up to this moment. Both starters were, I mean, incredibly sharp. Uh, if we go over to the player breakdown page, Glass now had 15 whiffs on 36 swings. Glass now had a 42% whiff rate in this game. A 35% CSW total overall. Uh, on the other side of things, uh, and it takes a lot of scrolling to get there, Tristan McKenzie had a decent whiff rate, 26% whiff rate. They were being very aggressive, 50 swings off him, 13 whiffs, but they did foul off 25 pitches, which really helps him stay in counts and stay ahead of hitters. Uh, 15 call strikes, it's good for a 29 CSW. So what were they whiffing on the most? Probably the curveball. I mean, it's a 40% whiff rate on the curveball. Four for 10. Four whiffs and 10 swings. Uh, not to mention, they only had an average exit velocity of 78.4 on that curveball. But he only threw it 15 times. He was very selective with that curveball. Was way more into the fastball. 56 four-seam fastballs. Um, so let's take a look at their strikeouts, though. Because, I mean, really racking up the strikeouts in this game. McKenzie had eight strikeouts in this game in six innings pitched. He was really on top of things. Glassnow, like we said, had five. He was getting it with mostly, well, he was keeping it down. One fastball uh, that he blows past Will Brennan at 98 miles per hour on a 2-2 count. And then everything else is a breaking pitch and off-speed pitch down below the knees. Gets Andres Jimenez down there with a slider. Gets Ahmed Rosario with a curveball. Gets Oscar Gonzalez chasing a curveball in the second inning. And gets... Uh, Andres Jimenez again with a curveball in the dirt. Jimenez does not have a good game in this one. 
I mean, offensively. Defensively, yeah, he was in there. But offensively, he goes 0 for 5 with 5 strikeouts. Okay, he's in a little bit of a slump. Not really the time to be slumping, but you never know what a new series is going to do to turn around the fortunes of a hitter in the playoffs. Every series is a different story. So I'm going to say, Andres Jimenez, just wipe this from your mind. Go play a new series. We will. We will. We want you in there. So, yeah, Jimenez did not have the best day. Uh, McKenzie was mixing it up with strikeouts from everything. He's got a bunch of high pitches at the top of the zone. He gets Harold Ramirez chasing a high fastball in the fourth inning. He gets G-Man Choi chasing a high slider up at the shoulders in the second inning and gets a curveball, uh, Margot chasing an 0-2 curveball at the top of the zone in the second to end the second inning. So three at the top of the zone, then three to the arm side, two fastballs. He uh, blows one past Jose Siri. He blows one past uh, a two past Jose Siri. Wow, one in the third, and then one in the sixth, just fastballs blown right by him. Uh, he throws a slider to Harold Ramirez uh, that he locks him up for a called strike. I believe that'd be his only called strike strikeout of the day in the second inning. And then he's got two curveballs, one to Yandy Diaz in the third inning on an 0-2 count, just swings right over a curveball. It's down. These are down towards the knees at this point. And then one below the knees to Christian Bethencourt on an 0-2 count. He's out there chasing in the third inning. So really, you know, he's really using everything uh, to get those strikeouts. So it's good stuff from Tristan McKenzie. Let's see uh, from the count breakdown. He was working pretty far ahead. Uh, eight guys, you know, he starts eight guys out 1-0 uh, as opposed to the other side of things. Uh, but only three people make it to 2-0, two make it to 3-0. So there were a few guys he fell behind. There were a few guys, but for the most part, uh, he was working down. Uh, he was working ahead a lot in this game. A lot of guys make it to 0-2. Uh, I don't know why it hates showing me six. Uh, I'm guessing here about 11 guys go 0 and 2. So that's pretty good there. That's pretty good stuff uh, to work that far ahead a lot in this game. When he did fall behind, he was going fastball. He was going fastball when he fell behind. When he was ahead, that's when he was using the curveball uh, and the slider a lot when he was ahead on guys. But to catch up, he was going all fastball. All right. So that's the count breakdown. Going back to the pitch chart. Because he's not the only one to strike out a lot of hitters in this game. Like we said, Sam Henches, in his three innings of relief, had six strikeouts. So what was Henches doing? How was he getting it done? He was getting it done all with the curveball. Six strikeouts all via the curveball. Gets Mejia, gets uh, Taylor Walls, and then you know sweeps it. That big lefty sweeps it down at the feet. Of these right-handed hitters, and it was all right-handed hitters falling to this curveball. He gets a Rosarena, he gets Francisco Mejia down at the shins, gets Jose Siri down there, and gets Siri. Wow, Siri struck out a lot. How many times did Siri strike out? Did he have just as bad a game as uh, Jimenez did? In six at bats, he had five strikeouts. So yeah, kind of did. Wow, six strikeouts all against right-handers in this game via the curveball. Going back to the player breakdown page. Let's scroll all the way down to Sam Henches. And yeah, he had he threw the curveball 19 times, only 15 fastballs, one sinker. He has seven whiffs on 11 swings. It's a 64% whiff rate on the curveball. Add in five called strikes. It's a 63% K 
CSW total on that pitch for Sam Henches. Uh, they did put three in play. Uh, they only put two of his fastballs in play, despite not whiffing at it. They fouled it off six times. Uh, so he was just really, really working it against this Tampa Bay lineup. Let's look at his count breakdown. Let's look how far ahead Sam Henches was working in this one. Uh, I got to imagine with all these curveballs, yeah, one batter. One batter makes it to 1-0. and I'm guessing they're the same batter makes it to 2-0. I think that math works out. One person he falls behind on. Everybody else's, oh, one or two batters. I'm sorry, two batters make it to 1-1. Everybody else is falling behind on uh, Sam. I should say Sam Hedges is ahead of everyone else. The hitters are falling behind. Uh, He is really, really dominant. Working down the left side of this count breakdown, just ahead of everybody. Nobody even makes it to a full count. It's it's these at bats are ending at 0-2, at 1-2, at 2-2. Just absolutely dominant. A ton of three uh three pitch strikeouts right there in these final innings. So absolutely just amazing work out of the bullpen for Sam Henches. All right. So uh other moments in this game we have to talk about. Uh defensively. I know there's a big moment you you're waiting for me to get to the sixth inning. I know you're waiting for me to get to the sixth inning. There were some great defensive plays in this one. Straw running a ball down in extra innings in right center field. Uh it looked like a line drive off the bat. And Straw runs it down for Eli Morgan. Uh Hedges nails a runner, stealing second base. Um Jose Ramirez makes a great play going into foul territory on the third base side. His momentum takes him into foul territory, and he throws back across his body. And Naylor with an amazing stretch at first base. He had two amazing stretches at first base to end innings. We've talked about it before during the season. Naylor's defense is legit at first base. Compared to Owen Miller, I never need to see Owen Miller play first base again, frankly. Uh, Naylor plays a really, really good defensive first base. It reminds me of Santana out there. He's not the biggest target, right? Not the tallest target at first base. But man, he's really good at stretching and keeping that foot on the bat and making outs. Turning, you know, I'm not going to say bad throws, but turning tough throws into outs. Uh, That's the job of the first baseman sometimes, right? You got to make those scoops. You got to make those stretches, you gotta you gotta take everything your infielders throw at you and make it keep it, you know, turn it into outs. And Naylor does it twice in this game. All right. The other big moment from this game is uh is the sixth inning. So let's get into it. The sixth inning. Uh they end up walking two hitters. They end up walking two hitters and then hitting. Uh he goes to the bullpen, he takes out Fairbanks. Looks like a blister thing or something like that. So he walks Straw. Uh, frankly, he's all over the place. Uh, not even close. Walks him on five pitches. Stephen Kwan comes up. He walks him on six pitches. Just can't get a grip on that fastball. Uh, Ahmed Rosario comes up now. And he, <laughs> Jason Adam hits him on the first pitch. Uh, so now we've got bases loaded. Nobody out. And we are ready to break through. I mean... McKenzie had just pitched the sixth inning, right? Just shut him down again. We, the crowd, everybody, the people who, like me, who were working, watching this game, we are ready for this thing to explode, this to be the inning. Jason Adam comes out of the bullpen 
What kind of a regular season? I know nothing about Jason Adam. What kind of a regular season did this guy have? Was he one of these dominant relievers for the Rays all season? Well, in the regular season, he in 67 games, he had a 156 ERA with a 0.76 whip. So I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, sounds like uh, one of the dominant relievers for the Rays in the regular season. And he works a ridiculously long at-bat against Jose Ramirez, uh, really trying to keep the ball inside, going high fastballs, going low change-ups, actually falls behind with two fastballs. Uh, two high fastballs, he's behind in the count, 2-0. and oh. He swings through a changeup down at the knees that he probably should have laid off. Uh, swing Takes a changeup for a called strike, one he probably should have offered at, uh, right at the belt on the inside edge. Uh, so now it's a 2-2 count. He fouls off another changeup down below the knees. He uh, fouls off a fastball, forcing fastball that was up but in. And then finally goes down, swings at an inside changeup that just sneaks in underneath his, um, well, underneath his hands. Uh, it was down at the thighs, but it sneaks in down there, and he swings over top of it to strike out with the bases loaded. I, w- the crowd was shocked. The crowd was stunned. They thought this was the moment. They thought for sure this was the moment. And then Naylor comes up, and he just throws him a ton of uh, changeups, uh, a called strike for a changeup. Fouls off a changeup, fouls off a changeup, and then, okay, what do you do? The guy's fouling off your changeup, you throw him a high fastball, and he chases it. He chases it. He goes up to the shoulders. He ends up hitting a ground ball to the shortstop, Wander Franco, who steps on second and fires the first to G-Man Choi to get the double play and to get him out of the mess. And Naylor is clearly upset with himself. He can't believe that he just hit a double play. Can't believe that he just blew this bases-loaded opportunity. You've heard me say it so many times, running around third base, so many ways for them to score, and double play right there is such a momentum killer. It's such a brutal momentum killer. They would get other guys on base. They would. It's not like they went through the entire extra innings without getting another guy on base. Uh, in fact, they lead off the seventh inning with a single. So, I mean, they continued to get guys on base. They just, man, they really couldn't get a rally going. That was the only rally. And they don't even get a hit to get in that rally going. Two walks and a hit by pitch. You thought maybe that would be the Guardians' way. They were so good at getting on base. Right? Strong Quan are known for drawing walks. I know Straw struggled this season, but they are. They're known for drawing walks, for getting on base. Rosario's not the one that hits into the double play. He gets hit by a pitch. The bat's taken out of his hand. It was set up. Oh, man. Ramirez and Naylor. It was so set up for heroics in that sixth inning right there. You turn it over to the bullpen, which they end up doing anyways, turning it over to the bullpen. But, man, that should have been the moment there in the sixth inning. And instead, we end up in this ridiculous 15-inning marathon. The Guardians, frankly, don't really threaten again too many strikeouts in extra innings. They were getting blown away. I mean, they were striking out the side. Uh, in the in the twelfth inning, despite an Oscar Gonzalez hit by the pitch, they still struck out the side. Uh, in the fourteenth inning, it's all ground outs uh, to get through the fourteenth inning from Corey Kluber. But the fifteenth inning, it was finally our moment. I mean, if you look at, I mean, it's a joke almost. The win probability line, the win probability line has no idea what's happening in this game. It's something over on Baseball Savant. You'll also find it on Fangraphs. 
you know, it measures, you know, who's got the momentum, basically. And it's basically split right down the middle. I mean, it just stays at 50%, right? Uh, right down the middle, it bounces a little bit the Guardian's way, a little bit the Ray's way. Basically, every half inning, it's jumping back and forth across this line, especially when we get into extra innings. Because then everything becomes more high leverage. Every moment becomes more impactful. Every pitch you take, every pitch you chase becomes more impactful to this win probability line. So it starts to get volatile, but it's still just jumping back and forth across the midline. Until finally, the sixth inning is the only time where someone really has, when Ahmed Rosario gets hit by the pitch, we had a 79% win probability. It was really in our favor. And then it jumps right back to a 50-50 thing when he grounds into a double play. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, the mathematical statisticians would hate this game. Figuring out win probability. I mean, until literally um, just just from coming up to at-bat in the bottom of the 15th inning, it moves to a 63% win probability for the Guardians. And then obviously, a Gonzalez home run makes it 100%. I just think it's hilarious that, uh, you know, this thing usually is a pretty good measure of a baseball game, but it has no idea what to do with this baseball game. And this was one of the most unique games you're ever going to see in your life. Uh, the last thing I just want to point out is that the Guardians hitters, man, they struck out on a lot of fastballs right down the middle of the plate. Just looking at the Tampa Bay Rays pitching total, I've got so many force one, two, three, four four, five, six fastballs down the middle of the plate that guys struck out on. In the 11th inning, Quan goes down to a 95-mile-per-hour fastball in the 11th inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario in the 11th inning goes down to the 95-mile-per-hour fastball from from Sean Armstrong. And Jose Ramirez in the 12th inning goes down to a four-seam fastball down the middle at 96 from Sean Armstrong. Clevenger at 97.6 gets Will Brennan in the 10th inning. Uh, Clevenger gets Oscar Gonzalez in the 10th inning on a full count at 96.5. And uh, Glass now got Brennan down the middle in the second inning at 98 miles per hour. So that's six strikeouts via the fastball right down the middle of the plate. I just couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that they were swinging and missing that much in the strike zone. I was hoping to find over on Fangraphs the things. Remember, there's the, the outside the zone swinging, the inside the zone swinging. I wanted to see how much off of the regular season pace they were in this game. But unfortunately, Fangraphs doesn't measure it, you know, in the box score in a per game basis. But it felt like we were swinging and missing way more in the strike zone than we had at all in the regular season. We never did stuff like that in the regular season. So Tampa Bay's pitching, give them credit. I mean, give both teams credit for their pitching to make this thing the most ridiculous 15 innings of shut 14 innings of shutout baseball until it finally comes to an end on a big monster swing from Oscar Gonzalez and you guessed it MVP on the day look I would love to reward Sam Hentges for that three innings of relief work and extra innings with the six strikeouts I would love to find some other reward for him unfortunately this podcast only has one award and it's MVP on the day and it's going to Oscar Gonzalez for giving us a playoff moment that we will be telling our children about uh maybe you have children and you're already telling them about it I don't think my son is old enough to comprehend what just happened uh but one day I'll tell him about it uh and yeah it's gonna be one of those moments that's passed down 
from generation to generation. It's going in the highlight reel of highlight reels in guard in Cleveland franchise history. It's it's just one of those moments that we'll never forget. So thank you, Oscar Gonzalez. More than anything, thank you, Oscar Gonzalez, for giving us a great baseball moment. All right, that's all my thoughts on the game. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks for everyone. My, I gotta thank my friends who you know talked baseball with me, especially that friend in Chicago who talked baseball with me after the game and helped me kind of organize my thoughts for today. Uh, we talked through it. We got through our initial reactions. Uh, I love talking baseball with my friends. I love talking baseball with you, the morning people. Uh, so thank you. I can see that you've been listening. You know, the playoffs, obviously a lot of people are focused on baseball right now and interested in baseball right now. So I appreciate all the listens that are coming in. If you're new listeners finding the show, this is what it's about. We talk. When I say we talk baseball, I am not messing around here. We talk baseball. All right. Uh, the only series that didn't end yesterday... Seattle won their series. Uh, the uh, the Phillies take the Cardinals in two games. So now it's down to the Padres and Mets to see who moves on. We're going to be facing the Yankees. We're set up for two games in New York on Tuesday and Thursday. And then a Saturday-Sunday home set before a possible game five uh, back in New York on Monday. Interesting they didn't give them a travel day in between there. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely getting another game in Cleveland next Saturday. We've got another week of baseball ahead of us. Not really going to do any episodes in between. I'm going to take a little break, let this voice relax for a second, and uh, we'll be back Wednesday morning. We'll be back the morning after the games. That's what we do. So uh, we'll be back to talk more. In the meantime, feel free to fill up the inbox. Let me know how you experience this wild card series. What were you doing? Did you survive that Friday noon game? Did you have to work through it? Were you huddled around the computer? like everyone at my work was. Uh, you know, how did you get through it? What did you feel about this Oscar Gonzalez home run? The Jose Ramirez home run from game one. I mean, two moments. Two moments. They weren't two rallies. I thought, I made a prediction on Twitter. I thought Will Brennan would spark a rally in this game. He did have a hit, but it didn't spark a rally. Um, what did you think of these two home runs? A team that did it, did not use the home run ball very much throughout the regular season. That wasn't their M.O., they get it done with home runs in this series. Uh, so, yeah, let me know. Fill up the inbox at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You got a few days. Let me know what's going on, morning people. And if you're new to the show, especially, let us know. Let us know how you feel about this team. So, again, the final from Progressive Field in 15 innings. It's the Guardians 1, the Rays nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the wild card series, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.